Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. Before we get started, I just want to start with a giant shout out to Nate Utesh. He's a buddy of mine, a graphic designer and illustrator. He lets us use the music of his band, Metavari, on the podcast, and it has totally changed our whole game and the whole production and the whole vibe. I love it. It's perfect for Creative Pep Talk. It would mean so much to me if you would go check out their SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com slash metavari, M-E-T-A-V-A-R-I. That music will, I kid you not, it's so groovy. I put it on all the time when I'm working. It's nearly instrumental. It gets you into that, you know, that proper workflow. Love it. You will probably love it too. Go check it out. everybody you're listening to the creative pep talk podcast this show is about commercial art making a good living and making great art i'm your host andy j pizza dr pizza is in the house today our proud syndicate is illustration age you can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk You can also find this show wherever you find podcasts. We're on Stitcher now. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're we're probably on Spotify even. They have podcasts now. Podcasts are all over the place, man. Just just real quick. Just real quick. I want to say thank you so much to all of you. Uh, you guys have been sending me emails and reaching out and, and sharing the show and all that. And some of you guys have pretty big followings on the old social media. And so honestly, there is no greater compliment than um, you guys being willing to tell your friends about the show. And so many of you have been really, really generous about doing that. And that's why the show is kind of growing at a rapid pace. So I just wanted to take a moment out and say... Thank you so much for sharing the show. Nothing is a bigger compliment, and it means so much to me. Um, and yeah, so I owe all of the growth to you guys. Thank you guys so much. Um, you know, really, the show has grown 99% uh, by just sheer organic grassroots growth by people remarking on it, telling other people about it. And uh, so really, I have so much to... Uh, thank you guys for so thanks guys this episode is supported by in the making an original podcast brought to you by adobe express 
the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. I am so fired up about today's episode because I believe that it might be the most important episode that I've done. And it's kind of an abstract concept. And so I've put in a lot of time and energy to try to figure out the best way to articulate it because I believe it has crazy potential. Um, And so here's what the story is, or here's what the episode is about. The stories we tell ourselves will become our story. Your beliefs will become your reality. And I think this idea is so esoteric that we ignore it. We want to downplay it. I think it's been co-opted by some strange people in the past, but it's also something that the most brilliant minds in history have have spoke on over and over and over and over again. And it's this, that your potential is only limited by how much potential you believe that you have. I often think about it like this. I often wish that I was like Neo or Harry Potter or something like that because they had people all around them all the time telling them that they were the one. They were like, you have extreme potential. You have amazing gifts. You are the one. You're going to save everyone. And I, at some point, I realized that it wouldn't matter if that was me because their power is still limited by their ability to believe in themselves. And if you listen to the show, you know that I have a crazy heart for creative people that I am just obsessed with. Uh, 
helping creative people communicate their value to a world that undervalues them. I believe that creative people are some of the most powerful and important people on the planet that society desperately needs. And for whatever reason, whatever forces, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's people in the world um, who, who understand creative people's value but have money to be made by keeping them down. I don't know what it is. But for whatever reason, I feel like we're currently in this place where creative people are massively undervalued and taken advantage of. And I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks is that we don't believe that we have value. We don't believe in our own potential. And I want to talk about today how you can find those limitations that you're putting on yourselves, find those places where you're living less than what you're capable of and owning those things, abandoning them and not returning to them. I think it starts back in our school system. And uh, if you follow Seth Godin, you've probably heard him talk about this. The idea that our school system is built on the Industrial Revolution. That's the model in which it was based. The, the people that determined what school would look like uh, in the Western world were industry leaders. And what did they create it to be? They created it to be, with good intention, I'm sure, they created it to create great factory workers. People that could sit in the same place for six to eight hours and do what they're told. And those people will do fantastic in the factory industry world. So if you got amazing grades, you might be that type of person. And I'm not, I'm not dismissing those people that are, you know, typically brilliant. But what I am saying is that there are a lot of people that don't fit that mold, that were given medication and labels and stereotypes that have tremendous value to society, but were measured with the wrong metrics. They were measured on in ways that don't determine whether they're valuable to society. It determines whether they're good at working in a factory. And I was like that. And I, I think that the reason I did this episode was because... The further I dove into the business world, the more I was shocked to find out that the people that were most successful in business were more like me than the dude in high school who killed it in calculus. I, I had this wrong belief that limited me that said that right-brained people are bad at math and bad at numbers and therefore bad at business, that all the money and all the cash and success is on the left brain side. Now, let's start by dismantling the fact that there is no such thing as right-brained and left-brained people. If you go do the research, go just Google it. You'll figure it out really quickly that that whole premise was a misinterpretation of a scientific study, that there is no right-brained person, there is no left-brained person. There are different types of personalities, but those do not come into play. And beyond that, what I've realized, what I've gone, gone on to realize is that it takes a lot of different types of people to make business work. If you look into the e-myth, they talk about it takes entrepreneurs, it takes managers, and it takes technicians. Now, I personally fall about 70% into the entrepreneur side and about 30% into the technician side, both of which are really, really valuable in business. And so today's episode is all about saying, if you think that by 
by being a creative person that you are not you are inherently not that valuable and you're lucky if you get to doodle on some paper and get paid for it so you can eat some beans and rice I'm telling you right now that that fundamental belief is limiting your potential. It's limiting your future. And I'm calling you out. I'm saying, listen, I guarantee you that you have amazing power, but its only limitation is your ability and willingness to believe that. It's so easy to take some of these ideas and you know, lump them in with platitudes and cliches and write them off. And, you know, I think they they can easily sound like knowledge is power, Uh, you know, that kind of thing. But the fact is, this is straight up science. There was this really interesting study that I heard, and I'm going to do my best not to butcher it, um, that I heard about on Radiolab. Uh, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. The episode is called the voices inside you. And it's about the power of the voices in your brain, what you tell yourself. Um, It has tremendous power in the outcomes and how you perform on a regular basis, day in, day out. Uh, There was a man named Claude Steele, and they did this research because what they saw, they saw the data said that when an African-American and a white dude go to college, if they have the same credentials, the same IQ, that the African-Americans do worse on tests and get worse grades. And they wanted to figure out why. Why is this? So they did a test where they got a group of whites and African-Americans and they gave them this test. And they basically said, this is an IQ test. And the people were essentially the same on paper, same IQ, same uh, credentials, But when they told them that the test was measuring their intelligence, that the African-Americans scored significantly lower. There was a big gap in the test scores. Now, they tried it all over again. But this time, instead, they said, this test is not about measuring your intelligence. It has nothing to do with that. It's simply a study of how people problem solve. And when they took that pressure off and they didn't play to the stereotypes, the stereotype being that there's this big history of uh, stereotypes that say that African-Americans are not as intelligent as whites. That's That's been a stereotype throughout history. And I'm actually so far removed from these types of stereotypes that I didn't actually know that was a a thing. Um, And it is incredibly, you know, disgusting and sad to me. But when they didn't play up the stereotypes and they didn't put the pressure on on those stereotypes to, to disprove them, the gap disappeared. They did the same thing with women and men. Now, there's a stereotype that says that men are better at math. And in the test scores of tough math tests, the gap is present that men score better than women with the same IQ. So they gave the test out and they said, this is going to measure your intelligence in this field. And it was a tough math score, math test. And the women scored way worse than the men. Then they did the test all over again on it with uh, same controls, different situation. And they, but instead they said, you may have heard that women score worse on these tougher math tests. 
However, with this particular test, we have found that there is no gap between test scores of men and test scores of women. And when they broke apart that stereotype, they broke apart those belief systems, the gap in the test scores disappeared again. The men and the women scored the same. And to me, this speaks volumes to the power of our words in our heads, our beliefs, and how dramatically it changes our outcomes. So the first thing that I suggest you do is play some Capture the Flag. The idea is this. If you feel like you've been relegated to the right side of the brain, thrown to the margins of society that say, go ahead, doodle over there. We might throw you a few pennies from time to time. If that feels like it's you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine that you are a dog in the invisible fence of the right side of the brain. And and you know those little yellow flags that they put around? We're going to take each flag down. We're going to take each place where we have this false narrative playing out in our minds and we're going to dismantle it. First, I think you got to accept that your world is kind of like that M. Night Shyamalan, I never know how to say his name, the guy that made The Sixth Sense. He made a movie called The Village. Uh, We're not going to talk about the merits of the film. We're just going to talk about how Often, life is a lot like that film, where the people in power are going to be perpetuating ideas that hold us back and keep us from our greater potential, from exploring the world. So in that film, this is a spoiler alert. If you are really desperate to watch that firsthand afresh, um, then maybe you should go back in time and watch it when it was relevant. But the time has passed, and I'm going to give it away. The idea in the movie is that the elders... Uh, keep everybody under this idea that there are monsters in the woods and they, no one can leave the little village that they're a part of. And the village is very primitive. It's very old school. And um, you find out later that it's actually this remote village in modern day. But the, the elders have been keeping it a secret and perpetuating it from uh, generation to generation. And I think often that in life, there are a lot of people out there that want to perpetuate these ideas that creativity is not valuable, that there are only certain types of people that are successful, um, because it, it, it gives them power. They're, that's how they make a profit. And I think there are a lot of businesses that want to come along and they understand that what you do, what you do is super powerful, and they can pay you 0.001% of the profit and go take what you created and make a killing. And I think you see people, we talked about this before, you see people like uh, Draplin uh, or you know my friend Tyler Deeb, people that have taken their creativity, instead of lending it to other people, there's no problem in that, but they manage to create a business of their own. They manage to take that creativity and use the power on their own. You know, Draplin took... Uh, a stack of paper, folded it in half, stapled it, gave it a super nice brand, great branding, great graphics, and created a a giant business called Field Notes. 
And he didn't wait for some other business savvy person to come along and say, Hey, I'll throw you a few pennies if you come, if you uh, brand this pocket notebook. He figured out how to create that value all on his own. So what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to look back into your life and look at the places where you have those pain points, those shock points where you felt that invisible fence shock you. And I want you to dismantle it. I believe there were places maybe that there were people that demeaned the type of work that you wanted to do, that told you that it was less than, that told you it was not as cerebral or intelligent or worthwhile. And so it caused you to go on a tangent. It caused you to go down a road that, that maybe you shouldn't have gone down. So go back and look back at those things. Maybe there were places where people said, oh, that idea has been done or you're not original or, you know, oh, that reminds me of this or blah, 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 blah. All these different things that cause you to create something that was inauthentic, cause you to go down a path of obscurity, cause you to hide behind something. For me, it was so helpful to look back through my past and connect to those places where there's that pain, where someone tried to hurt me, tried to put me down. You know, I had a person that told me that uh, they would hire me when they didn't want any white space on the page, when they wanted to fill the whole thing up. And it caused me to, to rethink everything that I did because it, it they meant it as a diss. And... The truth is, I like really busy things. My work isn't all about white space. Some people's it is about that. It doesn't mean that it's better. And so I think you really have to go back and find those places where those insecurities started and take them down. So the second thing that I think you need to do is test the limits. Go ahead and go Feel the shock and keep going anyway. You've heard it before, right? That bravery isn't the idea that you don't feel fear. It's that you feel fear and you do it anyway. So you've identified these areas that you have been shocked and you're afraid and you're hiding and you're not doing the work that you're meant to be doing. And my challenge, step two, is to take those areas and do something actively in those areas, feel the shock, and keep going anyway. There's a writer, the writer of Eat, Pray, Love. She wrote a book called Big Magic. Her name is Elizabeth Gilbert, and she has a lot of really good ideas about creativity. One of the things that she talks about is this idea of fear. And you say, Okay, like everybody that's made things for a living or have has made a big effort to spend their life creating things knows that there's a lot of fear involved in making things. I don't know why it is. We could pontificate for hours about evolution and how we were afraid of saber-toothed tigers and now there are no saber-toothed tigers so we act like a bad comment online could kill us. I don't know. It might be that, might not be. But if you're out there trying to express the stuff that's in you, trying to put your ideas into the world, it's a very vulnerable position and I understand it. I felt the fear. It's scary sometimes for me to do the podcast, but I do it anyway. And so my challenge to you is to feel the fear and do it anyway. Liz Gilbert, back to her, she says, fear is never going to go away. That's something you can be sure of. You'll be more afraid sometimes, less afraid other times, but no matter what, it's coming along. And so what she suggests is you say to fear, look, I get it. You keep me from dying and that's fantastic and I love you for it, but get in the back seat. I'm going to drive. 
you can come along. I know you're going to stay. You're going to be along for the ride, but we are going. We're not going to stop because we're afraid. And so here's my challenge to you. If you're thinking about doing a new project, if you're thinking about, man, I'd really love to do this kind of work, but I have all these fears attached. I have all these vulnerabilities that I'm worried about. My challenge is to you, identify those areas and then do it anyway. It's nothing brilliant. It's not a, it's not going to blow your mind. I'm just encouraging you to do the work that you know you're supposed to do, even when you feel the fear. One thing, the the last thing I want to tell you to do is refuse to replay, refuse to continue to give in to these fears. So you've identified them, you went into the battle. Don't be surprised when you broke through the first time, but it comes back another time. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to see it not as uh, a neutral thing that says you can do it or you, you don't have to do it and you're the only one that's going to feel the pain for that. I want you to see it as a holy temptation or an evil temptation that, that is taking you from doing the work that you need to be doing. I desperately believe that you need to be telling your story, not for yourself, but for the other people like you so that they know that they're not alone. There, they, people like you need representation out in the world. It gives me so, like it almost brings me to tears when I find someone who, with great success that has ADHD, like Walt Disney or Tom Hanks or even Dave Ramsey. It means something to me. It means something to me that they've done the work and they're out there doing awesome things. And it makes me think, you know what? No matter what I've got going on, no matter all the stumbling blocks that I have, I can go out there and do awesome stuff. So when this thing comes along and it tries to stop you, these ideas, these false narratives that play in your mind that tell you why you're not important, tell you why you're not valuable, tell you why you don't have anything to give, you have to say no to them, not for yourself, but for other people. I think self-awareness is fantastic. I think... um You need to have a really good understanding of who you are, understanding of why people might get value from what you do. But I think the problem is sometimes when you get really self-aware and you really understand your market and who's going to respond to your work, that you also become self-conscious because you realize who's going to hate your work. That's a big problem for me on the podcast. Like I know for a fact that this stuff that I'm doing, that there are people out there that staunchly fundamentally disagree with people encouraging other people or trying to inspire other people. I know that for a fact. I know there are people out there talking smack about Andy J pizza. I got it. I get it. And sometimes it makes me afraid. But on the flip side, I know that I get emails of people who have been brought to tears from the podcast, who have kept their job, who have quit their job and got a new job, people that have stayed in school, people that have had breakthroughs in their career, people who've published books on the back of this stuff. And so I can't give in to the temptation that says, just because people are going to hate it, just because there are people that are going to judge you and hate you for it, I can't give in to that. I got to keep making this thing any way. I got to keep going. Brene Brown, she's a, uh, I think she has a PhD. I could be wrong about that. But she's a writer and a researcher. And she always talks about this Theodore Roosevelt quote. And I'm just going to read it. Uh, And it's about getting in the ring and doing the work. And here it goes. It says, 
it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. You will fail. People will hate what you do. You'll have bad motives sometimes. You'll do it wrong. You'll, you'll make mistakes. And the leaders out there that are perpetuating this idea that you won't have something to gain by throwing you off course. And you know what? I, I guess I got to tell you, this episode was hard to record, but I believe in it so strongly. And I want to encourage you to not allow these negative ideas, these negative forces, these fears to stop you from living to your full potential. I think nowadays with the whole internet shame game where people get thrown into the pit and people tear them apart, that more than ever, we have these fears that are stopping us from making the work. And I just want to be a voice. As painful as it is, it honestly, it is painful for me to to be here, sitting here, recording myself, telling you to keep going. It's, It's hard. It's hard to even make myself vulnerable in that way. But I believe it too strongly and I'm too dedicated to not get in the arena and fight. The worst case scenario is that you do fall, that you do get thrown into the pit. But I'll tell you what, look at these, uh, look at these folks. There's, a, there's plenty of people that have gone through that and come out the other side. The internet will move on in two days. You'll be, you'll be back as good as new and you'll have learned something. So don't let it stop you. Feel the pain, but keep going anyway. So I want to end on a personal note. You know, growing up, I my whole childhood, I was told that I was just like my mom because I was creative, because I uh, had a big personality, I drew pictures, all these things that on the surface made me look exactly like my mom. And as I grew up, I watched her life really unfold into a tragedy. And if you can imagine kind of feeling like you're looking into into your own future and seeing destruction and thinking, man, I am totally doomed. This was a battle of my mind from an early age that said that I am the type of person, I have the DNA that says that I am going to fail. And I remember this one time uh, I was in a track race and I'd given it everything I got and I, I pushed and I think I won the race. And afterwards I ran over to see my dad and my dad was in tears. And my mom and dad had split up and you know I think he'd all along the way had seen people say how much I was like my mom and not really bought it, not really saw it, and actually saw a lot of himself. And he's actually a really successful dude. Uh, I love my dad. He's a super, super, super good dad. And uh, anyway, I run over to my dad, 
and I, he's crying. He's uh, in the stands, um, you know, not being able to pull it together. And I remember thinking, like, why are you crying? Because I just want a little, a little track meet. And uh, he tried to articulate it then, but I didn't really get it. And later we had a conversation about it. And he said that in that moment he knew that I had his determination, that I had his strength and ability to push through the pain and push myself uh, to my limits and really work for something. And he had seen all this work pay off in my track race. And uh, the truth is that I have a lot of my dad in me. And the side of me that's like my mom is I'm really proud of. Uh, and I've actually dedicated to using that side um, to the best of its ability. And actually, I even would love to the, the chance to, to make up for some of the things that my mom didn't get to do with her creativity. And so I just want to encourage you, just like me, who was growing up afraid of his own DNA, afraid of his own um, you know, potential and skills and strengths, afraid that the world said that they don't matter, they're not worth anything. I just want to speak into this. I want to speak into this creative world and say that I believe that you have amazing potential. If you're a human, first of all, I really, really do believe that you have amazing potential and it's only limitations are your ability to believe it. And that may sound like a cliche or a platitude, but it is maybe the most important truth that has had the biggest impact in my life. My ability to bet on myself in big ways has paid off in just amazing ways. And recently, I was actually getting out of the car after coming back from an event that had actually went really, really well. And I looked back over the past five years and I could see the places where I really questioned my potential and I played it safe. And I saw some of this this strength and this power and this potential play out at that event and thought, man, imagine if I was willing to have made bigger bets, what kinds of things I'd be getting my hands into right now. And so this is my encouragement to you. My encouragement is believe that you have tremendous value, that you have amazing potential to deliver value into the world, into the business world, and into the world at large to affect other people, that the stuff that you do, the work inside of you, can actually dramatically help and change and grow other people. And if you don't believe it, somebody else will, and uh, they'll come along and pay you a small percentage of the value that they get out of it. And that is something that I can't stand by. I can't stand it. It's something that constantly just gets me so fired up and angry. And it's actually the reason I've abandoned this term freelancer. I don't like it. Freelancer to me, you know, you can call yourself a freelancer and that's fine. But to me in my own life, I feel like it was a name given to me that says, I'm available to be taken advantage of. And so I switched from that mindset to a small business mindset that said, look, I'm a business person. I'm, I'm creating value all on my own. I can also create some value for you if you're willing to really uh, 
value, sorry for saying value so many times, but value what I do. And so I want to encourage you in that. I hope this episode is a uh, call for you to make giant bets on yourself and uh, go out there and be vulnerable. Feel the shock and keep doing it anyway. Thank you guys so much for listening to Creative Pep Talk, for sharing it, writing reviews on iTunes, backing the Patreon, being pep talkers, supporting peoples. I don't, I don't know what. I, I need a name for you. You guys tweet to me at Andy J Pizza. Would you give me some ideas of what the the, the fan base or the audience or the pep talk friends could be called? Um, but thank you guys so much for that. Thank you to Yoni Wolf for our theme music from his band Y. Thank you to illustrationage.com. They are our syndicate. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Thank you to Nate Utesh and his band Metavari for all the other tunes. You need to go check out their SoundCloud page. SoundCloud.com slash Metavari, M-E-T-A. V-A-R-I. Go check it out. Listen to it while you're making stuff. It will totally get you in the groove. Really, really good, like, nearly instrumental stuff. Uh, I love that. Thank you, Nate, for letting us use your music. Guys, I hope this pepped you up. Do whatever it takes to stay pepped up.